You're listening to Baltimoreans. Baseball Things Considered. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Welcome to uh, what we're going to call episode one of Epoch Two. <laughs> <laughs> of the Baltimoreans podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Baltimoreans podcast is now an obscure series of science fiction novels. <laughs> As you well know, Sam, we've been doing something of a monastic retreat since you've last uh, been hearing us on the airwaves. That's generous, we've but been, I'll take we've it. We've been training our minds and our bodies. We've been slimming down our recording apparatuses and uh, really kind of focusing in on what is absolutely necessary to much like the Baltimore Orioles, reemerge as a contender uh, in the podcast world, or in their case, in the AL East. Yes. So uh, what have you been up to, Sam, since we last uh, turned on the microphones? Oh, let's see. Well, there was that, uh, there was that knee injury. Mm. Um, that, was, that was a bit of a thing to get through. You and uh, Joel Embiid, both with the torn meniscuses. Yes. Uh, I, believe, I believe that had already happened last time we spoke to the good people of Baltimore Ons Nation. Um, Beyond that, I would say the main thing that I have been doing is producing other podcasts that aren't this one, <laughs> which I'm turncoat. I'm sorry about that uh, in a sense, because obviously my deepest loyalty and love is with my roots, which are right here at Hootenanny Studios with you, Alan Smith, talking to our beloved Baltimoreans listeners. But one of the things that has been really exciting for me over the last uh, almost year since we did this, um, is that I feel like I have gotten to take a lot of the things that I learned from doing our show in the, I'm not going to say amateur or ad hoc way that we've mm. done it, because it, it mm -hmm. wasn't so much that, but it was something that we were doing independently out of our own love for the medium and the subject matter that we were talking about. A certain amount of whispering into the void. Yes. And I would say I have tried my hardest. I don't know how successful it has always been, but I have tried to take those values of talking about something you love with people you care about. Slightly long-windedly. Slightly long-windedly. <laughs> and uh, tried to infuse those values into my other projects. Goddamn um, professional podcaster now. It's, it, it's, it appears that way. I mean, you know, I think, I think at this point, I think at this point, the, the checks have cleared. <laughs> <laughs> the, the jury is in. So uh, one of the things that anybody, uh, many of our listeners, I think, are fellow Baltimore Orioles podcasters. Mm -hmm. So they will know <laughs> that um, it takes a long time to produce a podcast. Yes. And it's very hard to do it well. And I have, um, that's the reason that we haven't been able to do this as much on my end because I have been spending all that energy. Also, um, I, I've moved to Philadelphia. <laughs> well, yes, that, uh, that is, that has been another hitch in the old giddy up, I would say. Um, but, uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting time for me to, th to, to think about my relationship to the medium because I love the work that I get to do professionally now. And I really appreciate the as I said, opportunity to have cultivated the creative values here with all of you and with you, Mr. Smith, um, that have enabled me to reach this point. Mm. But I also feel like the best way to maintain that value in my own life is to continue doing it, actually, to continue coming in here to Hootenanny Studios, sitting down with you and just making something from that that uh, churning core that we both have. Shagging some routine grounders. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Playing a bit of Peppa. <laughs> so that's a, yeah. I would say that's a, yeah. that's a dilemma that I'm in the process of negotiating, um, which makes me very happy to be here with you today. Wonderful. Well, it's good to be back. Cheers. It's good to be back. Um, Yourself? I have, uh, as I just mentioned, moved to Philadelphia. Uh, considered Philadelphia for a while and seem to be in the process of moving back to New York. Um, <laughs> uh, have, having uh, since, Life since comes at you quick. <laughs> comes at you quick. Uh, I am now three quarters of the way towards being able to legitimately call myself a master. Um, and I don't really know what that's going to change for me uh, politically or socially, but it has been very interesting to return to a space of uh, my only job being to sit and to consider things. Um, 
And really, like, when you're in grad school, you only have to be somewhere about, like, 10 hours a week. And the rest of it's just up to you to figure out what you want to do with it, um, which has at times been fantastic and interesting and creative and at times been a way to fall down the rabbit hole of current political events uh, and sort of fly off the handle and my inability to stay focused in the face of Trump lash being a very real and, and, and serious thing. Um, I am excited to be back in a place where we get to talk about politics and baseball uh, and maybe sometimes baseball and politics depending on the day. And I think that the uh, the reality of um, going to be uh, go- going to back to school and hearing from the best and the brightest in a field, right? When you go back and you kind of uh, saturate yourself in in what the, the the outward edges of where research is and the outward edges of what people know about um, political science or or uh, uh, how to manage a business or how operational dynamics work. And that's the kind of stuff I've been thinking about. Um, you realize that there are no adults in the room. <laughs> and the the shocking re-realization that happens every time I kind of go back into this academic space and see just how much the experts at the edges of the boundaries of the world don't know what they're talking about any more than you or I. Uh, that feeling that comes from that is, gosh, we really are actually the most qualified to talk about <laughs> the things that we choose to talk about <laughs> because no one else is more qualified than us. Um, and that goes out to sort of a conception of judging baseball players and the success of baseball just as much as it does anything else we choose to, to, to ramble on here about. There really isn't anybody who has a better sense of these things. And if you look at the sort of complicated shades of gray that uh, the – world of true academics are spending their time in, it just gets more and more confusing, not less and less confusing. Well, Smith, I would say we have started this episode of Baltimore on a customarily self-reflective <laughs> note. But um, That's how it should be. There's, there's two things I guess I want to say in response to what you've just said. The first, they're both serious. One mm. is more serious than the other. Okay. The first is uh, that I think there has maybe not been a more important time ever in our lifetimes Mm -hmm. to have a space, whether it's just for the two of us or whether it's for the two of us as well as anybody who is dumb enough to listen to this, to... Welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Good to have you. (laughs) Confused about your priorities as always. Um, (laughs) To have a space to think about our relationship as individuals to complex systems that affect our lives on a daily basis and what we can do to affect those systems. Sure. Um, I think that's more important than it's ever been. And I want to get into this a little bit more uh, in the second part of our discussion. But in particular, I think it's interesting that we were driven to start the process of doing that during um, a time of relative political accord. Yeah. uh, As opposed to the discord in which we now find ourselves. The second thing I would like to say is I've considered you a master for a long time. <laughs> well, it's really alarming to think that when we started this podcast, uh, we are in what is now comparatively a place of relative political accord. Because <laughs> it didn't feel like it at the time, but you just didn't realize how deep it could go. In the words of gangsters from Providence, Rhode Island, when we started this, everything was ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, frankly, Dingman, you... You raise a, an excellent point about our current political climate, and I am finding it very difficult to focus on baseball at all. Uh, this is the first time in my entire adult life when I didn't know the first day that pitchers and catchers reported. I missed on the first three spring training games and have only recently sort of like caught up to uh, the fact that there's a debate on about whether or not Bundy should throw his cutter. Like, I'm not plugged in. Um, And I think that that's partially because of the constant drip of insanity that is coming from our highest elected office in the land. And I I, I would like to to pose a question to you and maybe to the larger Baltimore – Baltimoreans audience. Um, How much has it mattered to you 
whether or not this is the year that like Gossman and Bundy take their rightful places, Cy Young contenders, when the notion of making it to October uh, is hard to imagine because we may well not have a constitution at that point. (laughs) How much can we really worry about Adam Jones, you know, whether or not his potential best days are behind him when we are buying poster board in bulk just to keep up with the level of stupidity that we need to protest on a daily daily level? And how indeed can we engage in a sports dialogue in a world so divided red and blue that we're no longer arguing about whether or not a fastball caught the outside of the plate, but in fact debating if a ball even exists and whether or not it knows Sergei Kozleskiak. <laughs> that would be the Russian ambassador that is currently uh, making the rounds in Washington. Yes, and we'll be here later this afternoon for a conversation he's asked that we disavow. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, in short, Sam, with reporters like our own friend of the podcast, Craig Calcaterra, uh, basically leading the way in bombastic politics on the sleeve sports reporting in an era with basketball stars like Kyrie Irving claiming that the world is quite literally flat and then being surprised people push back on him and that nonsense in an era where the Patriots win only serves to highlight the relationship between Belichick, Brady, and the 45th president of the United States and not in fact the amazing athletic achievement that comes from winning six Super Bowls. Can baseball save us? (laughs) Is there a world in which Baseball is a, a, a solution to these problems, or is it much like the church and the military before it, an institution that is bound to crumble under what feels like the continued insane polarization of this political dialogue? My response to you, Alan Smith, is yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes, baseball can save us. And I will tell you why I feel that way. Okay. Because I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm very excited. I'm going to spring training next week Right. for three days. Uh, Alan Smith, unfortunately, was not able to go this year, but um, classroom engagements. (laughs) He is a man who has his life priorities in order. Um, (laughs) Incorrect. (laughs) uh, And and I booked the trip um, largely because I had uh, four beers with two friends one night. And um, when the fourth beer was finished, the tickets had been purchased. So that sounds remarkably like the origin story of this very podcast. (laughs) Yes, that's that's the main reason I'm going. Um, But. So I've had a few weeks to think about why am I going mm. and and am I excited and am I going just because going to spring training is a thing I like to do and am I rooting for the Orioles again this year because that's a thing that feels like me um, and oh God, I've lost my identity in this new America and uh, is it even socially and civically responsible for me to be focused on baseball for the amount of time that I tend to when there are so many other pressing concerns? This is the conclusion I've come to. Baseball, Mm. uh, because as we know, despite being the co-host of a sports podcast, I'm not a sports fan, but rather a baseball fan. Sure. So I can only talk about this in the context of baseball. Baseball is the only time in my life when I spend time physically or virtually with people who I either know that I disagree with politically or don't necessarily have a sense of or care about their political inclinations. Sure. It's the only time that I do that. And I am able to converse freely, happily, and excitedly with those people. I am able to um, become emotionally involved in what's happening around those people. Um, I will sometimes hug them. (laughs) (laughs) I will sometimes weep next to them. Sure. I will talk about arcane uh, facts with them that only I and them would know. Nobody else in the world would understand those things. I, there are so many points of common ground and vulnerability and excitement and passion mm. in that space. And it's the only space in my life that's like that. And that has never been more important hmm. than it is right now. And we don't have to use baseball as a bridge to talk about politics. We don't have to do that. We just need to and really why you're listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, but we just need to be able to engage with each other's humanity in a present way, mm. because that's not happening anywhere else in the United States right now that I am aware of. Sure. In terms of circles that I move in, that's not possible. And I don't know where my thoughts about that are going to lead, but as a jumping off point, I've never been more grateful for that component of baseball than I am right now. 
And that's something that I would like to engage with more consciously than I have in the past. So what does that mean? Hmm. That means I would like to go physically to more baseball games this year. Sure. Um, I would like to engage in a more meaningful way. This is going to sound silly, but on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, because that tends to be the main way that I do social media. But it's a way of removing that barrier for myself. And it's a way of engaging in conversation um, that I ordinarily wall myself off from. I don't want to use baseball as an escape anymore. Mm. I want to use it as a way of bringing myself to a shared cultural moment without fear that political disagreements are going to derail that as a possibility. Hmm. Interesting. So yes, there, baseball is, for me at least, I think more important than ever in 2017. Huh. I still feel uh, that my engagement with sports, and I think it, for me, is a wider and broader definition of sports than, than just just baseball, feels a little bit like a soporific numbness when compared to the rest of the things that are going on. And I, um, I fully cop to the fact that um, one of the ways in which the Trump administration has been so difficult for me is to isolate what actually is important in a whole bunch of noise because there has been a lot of noise uh, in the past couple of I'm months. I'm sorry I couldn't hear you. I, yeah. w- I, was, I was distracted by the recent allegations that uh, <laughs> Barack Obama had wiretapped Trump Tower. Could you say that one more time? Exactly right. Uh, from I think you called it Hamilton whiplash. Uh, all the way back in the days when Mike Pence went to go see a show at Hamilton and was addressed by the cast of Hamilton from the stage, I feel like there has not been a 24-hour period since that day uh, where something ridiculous didn't happen in the in the political sphere. Um, it's weirder than uh, House of Cards. It is more fictional than Ender's Game. I mean, we're we're sort of like we're we're through the looking glass here uh, in in terms of the the political discussion, the political dialogue. And I find myself um, I find myself struggling with focus on everything else because the intensity. Of, I'm, I've become addicted to the intensity of those headlines and the realness of them. The fact that this is the person who is actually in charge of our nuclear codes, who is waking up at 630 in the morning and tweeting about Barack Obama um, moving into the White House and tapping his phones, but also whether or not Arnold Schwarzenegger will continue as the head of the Apprentice television show, that those like that reality is so... Um, intoxicating (laughs) that I find myself like really struggling to care about whether or not Wade Miley is okay after he took a comebacker off of his shin. Um, Did Wade Miley take a comebacker off his shin? He's going to be okay. Okay. (laughs) We really, we can't lose Wade Miley. That's not an option. God, that's a grim sentence. (laughs) Uh, But the the process, and maybe maybe partially because it feels a little bit like the Orioles just kind of ran it back. So I don't have a a, a thing to be as excited about. Like I don't have like a a touch point to be, this is a different year. This is going to be great. I'm going to really excited about this team and this moment. Uh, And maybe that will change once we get into the season. But I'm struggling to uh, have anything rise to the level of resting my attention away from what feels like a a daily cacophony of ridiculous. Well, let me let me pose this to you. Mm. I think I, I hope I was alluding to this a little bit um, in what I was saying a moment ago, but I want to look to my baseball fandom in the summer of 2017 as a calling. So not a distraction. Yeah. Not something that it's frivolous to spend time on when there are, as you say, these other more exciting foments mm-hmm. out in the world. But rather as a way of saying, show up for this cultural moment with your fellow human beings. And Be there for that. Do you worry 
uh, that this is, in fact, like the moment that our generation will be measured against? I, I, I feel that that about once every week at this point, uh, I have an existential crisis in which I believe that, in fact, for maybe 12 hours of a week, uh, we'll say about 12 hours. I'm spending about 12 hours of every week right now believing fervently that this is the uh, moment. This is the plowshares to swords moment of our generation. And that this is the one that we will have to explain to our grandchildren, and that this is the, the that that we have um, unrepentant uh, crypto fascists in the White House, and like this is the thing that we're going to be measured against. Against which I wonder, do we have to take a more utilitarian stance on it? Do we have to take a like, <laughs> this is the thing that we have to all be worried about? I realized as you were saying that, that it's possible for me to come across as saying that in future generations, when people say, as Trump was actively <laughs> destroying the known world, what did you do? I don't want my answer to be, I watched baseball and I sent some tweets. I mean it more in the sense of saying... It's too bad we're recording this, really. <laughs> right. Alan and I sat in my spare bedroom on a Sunday afternoon and uh, waxed poetic while the world burned the world burned um i think seeking common ground mm. person to person is something approaching a radical act right now yeah that's true that's true and baseball is a meaningful vector for me to do that it's not the only thing i want to do i have gone to two protests this year which is 100% more protests than the only other protest that I had ever gone to in my life was the million mom March. Mm. And that was in, I think 1999 or 2000. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gone to two this year. Uh, I am actively tripling up your lifetime scores. You're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I am actively on a daily basis looking for meaningful ways for me to play a role in the, what I view as a a a cultural, political, and spiritual rift in this country that has that appears to be going in very dangerous directions, mm -hmm. and I want to find a number of effective and personally compelling ways for me to prevent that from happening in whatever small way I'm capable of doing. So, seeking common human ground mm. with other people who I either know or suspect that I might disagree with about everything except whether or not Dylan Bundy should be able to throw his cut fastball. We're agreed that he should be able to throw his cut fastball, right? I Let's get into that okay. because I'm not 100% sure. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and so I guess I don't mean agree about the cut fastball, but can have that conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. without um, coming to blows. Right. Uh uh, that is one of a number of ways that I think it's important to um, be present for an American moment that I would say to your earlier question is going to be an inflection point mm -hmm. in our lifetimes, at least. Mm -hmm. um, what I like about what you just said and what I, I, I am trying to take away uh, without necessarily previously have been able to put words to uh, is the notion that when we find moments of shared humanity with other people who are not necessarily political ideologues along the same lines to acknowledge those moments of shared humanity and maybe not overtly to say like, hey, look, we're both being human together. Isn't that nice? But to uh, add those to my own storytelling to myself about what the opposition looks like. <laughs> Uh, what the other side looks like. Yes, that's because extremely important. most of the time, the other side is rational, uh, lovely, uh, moral, <laughs> well-intentioned human beings, uh, and, and most of them are not um, Donald Trump. Exactly. Exactly. I am also really interested to pick up that thread that you touched on when you referenced House of Cards a little while ago. Mm. Um, because I do want to talk about the ways that baseball can have a palliative effect hmm. during this period and sports in general. Um, and one of the things I think is interesting about a show like House of Cards uh, and political entertainments of the kind that we saw during 
the Obama administration are like basically during the Obama administration, House of Cards is maybe the most noteworthy example, but there were a bunch of others um, where people thought it was really fun and crazy to imagine a world where the the presidency is just out of control. Yeah. And and what what implications might that have? And and what if what if there had to be a whole narrative that sprung up around that? Isn't that a, a compelling fantasy for us to entertain? And in retrospect, that is the kind of popular fantasy that could only flourish in an era of relative stability. Yeah. And well, because now in, I've gone back and tried to watch Veep recently, and I don't enjoy it anymore. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's, it's not funny. It's really hard to watch, actually. Yeah. And it's not the fault of anyone who's creatively involved in Veep. No. Because they didn't see this coming either. No. Uh, but House of Cards, what possible plot twist could they cook up on House of Cards that is weirder than the Golden Shower story? Yeah. Or the entire engagement of Russia helping win an election. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's House of Cards to the to the illogical extreme exactly so comparatively Mm. let's look at baseball (laughs) i was about to say the rules for baseball haven't changed except that they actually literally have (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, is is the walk rule official yes um and also the carter caps rule has gone into effect i don't know what that is you can only take one as a pitcher you can only take one physical stride forward in the course of your pitching motion because he has that little skip that he does. Oh, weird. Which is hilarious because I think Carter Capps' lifetime ERA is something like 3.99. Yeah. So, like, not bad, but also, really, we're going to well, change not, the rules for not, this guy? Not a dominant pitcher that needs to have a Wilt Chamberlain-esque rule change. Exactly. Um, but uh, culturally, mm. the rules for enjoying baseball haven't changed. Mm. Uh, that is going to be an important source of stability, mm. I think. Because we can no longer watch the news in the same way. That's true. Because the role of facts has changed in public discourse. We can no longer watch films in the same way, I don't think. Because the the importance of apocalyptic storytelling has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there going to be a similar resonance to uh, – take like an Avengers movie, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, – a group of individuals have to come together because a a networked um, conglomerate of of purely evil people has decided for their own reasons to take down um, the United States. Well, that's gonna that has a different tang to it now. Sure. Um, all of these things, the way that we're going to engage with them has changed. Hmm. I would argue that. Uh, with baseball and probably with sports in general, that's not so much the case. Now, you did have uh, Adam Jones saying things during the like height of the movement for black lives when people were being asked about that sort of stuff on the regular Colin Kaepernick, that kerfuffle, um, saying some overtly political things. True. And as we remember, we did for a while have uh, on our roster one Luke Scott – who and one Steve Clevenger and one Steve Clevenger who both sort of like probably a lot of other guys who didn't publicly get in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who hold overtly opposite political opinions. Um, I think that in basketball, we're seeing a moment where like a lot of stars are saying some pretty overtly political things. Um, coaches, Greg Popovich for the San Antonio Spurs, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors, taking some pretty political stances. I mean, they're not that political. They're mostly just like, gosh, this guy really is pretty crazy. Um, but th- that that sports is maybe itself teetering on the edge of uh, not being a safe <laughs> space <laughs> anymore for this sort of engagement. I think there's a difference. Because when you talk about, say, actors coming out and speak as celebrity actors speaking publicly about political issues, um, Susan Sarandon, Sarandon, Sarandon is somebody who is in a lot of hot water for that right now. Merle. Merle Streep. Um, James Woods. You could argue Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> um, 
But let, let's stick with actors specifically for the moment. Okay. Um, an actor comes out and says something that you agree with or don't agree with, uh, and there's a whole parallel conversation about that. It doesn't change the content of the movie they were already in, the movies they were already in. No? Sports. No. It sort of changes, like... It changes time. the way you watch it. Yeah. But the, the, the fundamental content okay. is not changing. Okay. Adam Jones comes out and says, I believe that Black Lives Matter. That night, he might go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Yes. He might go 3 for 5 with two doubles and a home run. We don't know which one's going to happen. Sure. You and I, let's say we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. Uh-huh. That, if Adam Jones was an actor, he said that, he said, I believe that Black Lives Matter, and the next day a movie that he was in came out, let's say, for the sake of this example, this is obviously not true, that you agree that Black Lives Matter and I do not. Uh-huh. I probably don't go yeah. to see that movie. You do go to see that movie. It turns out that Adam Jones is really bad in the movie and so maybe that gets spun as proving my point and disproving yours by whatever weird logic we apply to celebrity opinions. In the baseball example, you agree that Black Lives Matter I do not agree that Black Lives Matter, again, in this hypothetical scenario. We're probably still both going to the game. We're probably still both watching the game that night because Adam Jones's role in the outcome of that game maintains an importance to us and is as yet undetermined. Hmm. And even if, let's say he goes 0 for 4 that night, and so I say, ha, that's because he believes something I don't agree with. And you say, oh, man, I... <laughs> If he's going to say stuff I agree with, the least he could do is also be good at baseball. Yeah. The next night, the, the story could be different. Right. And then the next night after that, the story could be different. And then um, the team, the the larger narrative of the team could overshadow um, uh, Adam Jones's alignment with these things that I don't agree with. And I could conveniently forget about it. There's so many more moving pieces. Mm. So you don't think that, for example, people who swore off uh, – NFL football because they were outraged by Kaepernick not standing during the the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't think that they they lasted. You think that they came back. They watched that week anyway. I highly doubt <laughs> that anybody Ratings were down. I I'm sure ratings were down during the height of that scandal. I have a hard time believing yeah. that all those people are going to stay away permanently. Yeah. I mean, I, not to put you on the spot, but you at one point said, I'm out on NFL football. Yeah. I'm not watching it anymore because of the domestic abuse scandal mm-hmm. that was rocking the league at that time. Have you gone back to watching football since then? Watched the Super Bowl. There you go. Um, pretty much. I'm not trying I'm no, not no, trying no. to put you on the spot. I'm just saying. No, no, no. I, mean, I think it's interesting. I pretty much haven't watched football. Uh, football much in a watching sort of a way but i was still in my usual like nerd way aware of what was happening yeah right i didn't i didn't turn off from following the sport i just didn't watch it on tv as much my point i guess is i think there is something essential dynamic and and fundamentally apolitical Mm. to human beings competing in a physical sport that has all these attendant cultural associations um, that other mediums don't have going for them. Hmm. I, I mean, in a way, it, I would say it's almost akin to like if theater was as possible as popular as professional sports. Yeah, it that. Cool. Felt the recorder frizzed out on us for a second. <laughs> Still with you, Sergey Kislyev. <laughs> How do you say his name? Who cares? I don't know. Um, he's not listening to this. Um, yes, he, he is. might be. Yeah. Uh, it, it, in a way, to me, it's like if if theater were as broadly popular as professional sports, 
but even then it no no even then it, it wouldn't be the same because mm. theater is scripted for the most part yeah um and professional sports are not it's unscripted right it's an unscripted thing that we pay it's maybe the only besides politics and current events it's the only thing that we in massive numbers pay attention to obsessively yeah and so i i think it 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 has a different um it, there's the potential for it to be more comfort comforting uh in the sense that baseball is still going to be baseball football still going to be football the nba is still going to be the nba i mean there's that hoary old cliche of like once you step between the white lines right nothing else matters right in a way that's true I mean, that, there's a reason people have said that for years and years. So uh, before we segue to talking about the 2017 Baltimore Orioles, which... Oh, but we're having so much fun. We might actually eventually do, Baltimoreans. <laughs> Hang in there. Uh, I want to ask the at Morons followers of the world uh, to get at us on Twitter. Uh, have you ever shifted your um, feelings about a player for a reason that made you no longer watch them or disavow your relationship with a team. Um, I'm thinking about uh, to the extent that we know about like Ray Rice or we know about um, uh, now I'm just blanking on all of the other sort of violence stories from the NFL or uh, from Chen Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger, Chapman, uh, Jung Ho Kang just won a, uh, world series so yeah that's an interesting interesting thing do you feel out there in the world and please tweet at us at be morons do you feel as if you um in the moment made a declaration that your eventual love of sports couldn't cash (laughs) (laughs) uh couldn't keep up with or did you actually hold on to that sort of dislike of a player to the point where you would vote with your eyeballs or vote with your dollars. Um, I'd be curious. I will say, I, I admittedly, uh, I didn't watch the World Series this year mm. because I felt like, okay, so we got the Cubs who needlessly traded for Araldis Chapman who uh, was allegedly horrifically violent um, towards his female partner against the Indians who have one of the most racist <laughs> logos in professional sports. Sure. And I felt like I, I'm not going to watch this huh. because I can't get behind either one of those things. And if I have decided I'm out on football for the reasons we discussed earlier, then I can't in good conscience hmm. just decide that the historic nature of the Cubs' presence in the World Series and the fact that I have a lot of nostalgia for the mid-90s Indians teams because they had so many fun players um, and I'm more of an American League fan than a National League fan at the end of the day, whatever. Um, it would be hypocritical of me to watch and enjoy the World Series uh, based on those things. But if it's the Orioles versus the Indians in the second round of the playoffs last year, next 100%, year. 100%. You're watching. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. Hmm. Okay. So let's address that last sentence. The Orioles have made it to the second round of your uh, <laughs> uh, American League playoffs this in is, October. This is great because it means that the first year of the Trump presidency is almost over. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it means that we have not all died in a horrifying nuclear fallout. Yay! Uh, you're a betting man now. What odds do you give the Orioles to make it to the playoffs this season? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think... I give it six and ten. Six and ten. Six and ten. I would say good. I don't think there's any. I mean, it's basically the same team from last year. Yeah. Except we have a catcher who is a little bit of a better hitter Mm -hmm. now, and a little bit better, a worse defender. Yeah, but I I think those things, those two things, probably cancel each other out. Yeah. Um. So. Plus my boy Smith. Plus Alan's cousin, Seth, yeah, <laughs> who will be probably playing more innings in the outfield than anyone would like. Um, yeah, I mean, I think based on the fact that it is mostly the same team as last year and that uh, that team 
despite some uh, injury setbacks and bad luck, uh, still ended up winning 89 games. I think there is actually, from our from the standpoint of our pitching rotation, reason to believe that if Dylan Bundy can stay healthy and if Chris Tillman is not injured, that our starting pitching will be better in a meaningful way this year. But isn't Chris Tillman already injured? Well, <laughs> he's being uh, Tillman-esque yeah. about it and sure. saying, what, me injured? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but... Look, Kevin Gosman last year was a four-win pitcher. Mm-hmm. Chris Tillman last year was a four-win pitcher. Dylan Bundy was, I believe, a 2.8-win yeah. pitcher in um, much less than a full season uh, of starts. Um, if we have three four-win pitchers in our starting rotation, that's good enough. Yeah, Our offense is not going to fall back this year it just isn't yeah it, it's too well constructed yeah there's no reason to think uh that I, there's no reason to think that our defense uh is going to go in the wrong direction um our bullpen is exactly the same as it was last year basically so and when you look at the rest of the league the only team that i think has improved in a really meaningful way boston is boston by virtue of the addition of chris sale but David Price uh, was the Chris Sale of the 2016 season, and it, the Red Sox were very good last year. But um, <laughs> but it it wasn't uh, they weren't an unstoppable right. force, right? Um, and so and David Price may be hurt. Yeah. So also David the David Prices and Chris Sales of the world have never been our issue so is it possible uh, that we will finish ahead of the red sox that's probably not going to happen their lineup is still terrifying uh they obviously have the best starting rotation in the division that that's really that's really scary to think about do i feel like we don't match up well against the yankees blue jays and rays i think we match up great against them yeah um and i I mean I, i i'm so I, to me, there's no reason to think that, and I think we're a slightly better than average team. Yeah. So that's why I say conservatively. I, I, I know nothing about math, but <laughs> I, I, that's why I say conservatively. I think we have six and ten odds. Mm. Okay. Yourself? Well, I'm going to say more like four out of ten, three and a half out of ten. Have I? I, I some. think <laughs> I think it's less than a fifty-fifty shot that 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 this team makes the playoffs this year. My goodness. Um, Smith. I mean, maybe maybe we make the play-in game, but. Uh, well, I'm counting the playing game. I'm <laughs> okay, ca- I'm counting the playing game. All right, all right. Uh, I, I think I think that there's every yeah. I I think that the playing game um, is a what was last year a very interesting symbolic space because neither of the two teams that were in the playing game had a real chance at the title. No, um, no. And so I think that. Uh, maybe I think it's maybe a 50-50 shot that we find ourselves back in that playoff game, but that that does not necessarily uh, translate into being competitive with what I think is a very scary Indians team, what I think is a very scary Red Sox team, um, a couple of other teams in the in the American League that I don't see us having a shot at, at, at beating. And frankly, the Cubs team is still... Very good at baseball. Very good at baseball. Very good at baseball. Very good at baseball. Um, I do. I do want Dylan Bundy to throw his cutter, though. You do want him to throw. Okay, let's yeah. let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> Indeed, Dylan Bundy's cutter. Yeah. Uh, so you you want him to be able to throw it? Yeah. Why? Uh, because it is the put away dominant level pitch. That would move him from being a second or third, you know, rotation guy to a real true elite ace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very compelling argument. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I want him to be able to throw the cutter. Yeah, I am just really, I, I, I don't believe in the integrity of his elbow. Mm. I was nervous every single pitch he threw last year. I don't believe in the integrity of his elbow either, but I don't think that that's going to make that much of a difference. If it's going to go, it's going to go. 
Okay. I mean, this is sort of like the the same. It's the same theory uh, uh, that has been governing the 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 usage rate of a couple of NBA stars recently. Um, this guy Joel Embiid, when he's playing, is a world beater. He's like seven foot two, and he has uh, you know the feet of a ballerina. He's a very impressive athlete. Cannot stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Knees, foot. Like some people are just too tall to stay upright. So he is in his first three years in the league, played a total of 31 games. Um, You know, I think that Joel Embiid is never going to reach his top potential, but I don't think that you do it. I don't think that you help the team or him by playing him one every three games and only 20 minutes at a time. That's not helping the team win. It's not really helping him at all. Like, sure. At some point, the governor has to come off, and either this guy is going to be a major league pitcher or he's not. <laughs> but riddle me this, Smith. Uh. In the starts that Dylan Bundy made down the stretch last year, yes, I think we can agree that uh, the majority of the time he did uh, well to excellent. Let's say that, assuming um, health is not a concern, he's able to pitch as well as he did in the starts he made last year. 30 times this year. So he's, say, Jason Hamill level good, not even ace level good. That takes this team from an 89-win team to a 92, 93-win team. Uh, hmm. you, want, you want the brass ring. Yeah. You yeah. Want, you want brass ring Bundy. I, I feel a little bit like... Uh, I mean, so 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 maybe the argument I'm making is he you don't let him throw the cutter except for in controlled situations until October, and then he has another gear he can hit. But Verlander style, yeah, I think that there's a certain amount where either we push all in or we don't, and it doesn't seem like Adam Jones is getting any younger here. Uh, the Manny Machado uh, contract is on the horizon. Well, this gets into uh, a whole other depressing line of conversation. Well, so, 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 you know, we have we have a window here which has a very real potential to slam closed. Uh, and if it if it is if if we have a way to keep it open uh, and actually go for a title during the next two years, and that means three years from now, Dylan Bunny's out of baseball. I don't know, man. I think I think you got. I think you got to take the governor off. Well, Smith, I, I think you got to go. I think you got. I mean, I, I apologize to the man. He seems like a decent human being. I don't want bad things to happen to him, but I think that his ceiling is very high. The the Trump administration has already poisoned your once verdant <laughs> heart, my friend. You've become a cold, inhumane man. I mean, look, he could be. He we can we can give him a a, a plaque on the warehouse. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> we can we can give him a bobby bonilla contract where he's cashing a million dollar check every year until 19 20, 2048 or something like that no we're, we're already gonna have to do that for manny if there's any hope of having him stay <laughs> but like if i'm manny machado and i win a world series in baltimore i'm staying in baltimore like that slam like whatever else has to happen i'm staying there i'm gonna ride out my career there that's gonna be an important thing to me if it feels to me like the organization is uh, 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 unable to develop real pitching talent and can't quite get its shit together to uh, get this team around me from good to great, and all we're going to be doing for my entire time in Baltimore is competing for that play-in game every year, You're not gonna. You, you, it's gonna be harder for me to turn down that extra twenty million dollars to go be a part of the Yankees organization. Well, Baltimoreans, <laughs> it's up to you now. <laughs> Tell us on Twitter <laughs> at bmorons whether Dylan Bundy should be able to throw the cutter, and know that by your answer, you are weighing in on the entire future of the organization because I think it comes down to. <laughs> Whether or not he is allowed to throw this cutter. That's that's it. That's the only decider in the entire 182 games we're about to go see. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, you goons. 
Uh, we're very happy to be back in your ears again. We hope to do that a little bit more regularly this year but than we, we did last year. Zero promises. No guarantees. No promises. Um, we realize that that's not a particularly compelling proposition for you. But if you do want to send us nicknames for your favorite Baltimore Orioles, uh, that wouldn't hurt. We are going to get you a nickname episode. We can commit to that. Yeah. Can we commit to that? Sure. We're, why not? We're committing to that. <laughs> We've let you down so many times. We before. will give you a full refund if we fail to deliver a <laughs> episode that has nicknames in it. Baltimoreans is produced by Sam Dingman and Alan Smith. That's true. You can find our shows at bmorons.com. Alan. Yes. What do you call... Wait, before we do that, can I can I, uh, <laughs> can I tell you a joke I came up with last night? Uh-huh. What did the pasta teacher say to the pasta class clown? Don't know. Don't be fusilli. Alan. <laughs> now to get serious. What did the pasta baseball coach <laughs> say to um, the pasta Henry Arudia? I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. This is what happens when we don't edit Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. We can do this. We okay. can do this. Um, okay. I got you. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yes. Are you ready for this? Um, Alan. Yes. What do you call Henry Rudia Mm -hmm. when he's playing the level of baseball that he will be playing in 2017? I don't know. Henry Yuru (laughs) T-Balia. Poor Henry. We will talk to you at some point. Good night, friends. Goodbye, home run! Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com.